Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Welcome back to the Up and In Show. I have no idea what episode this is, but I'm super fired up because I'm here with my boy, Harvey Martin. Thanks for joining us, dude. What's up, man? It's good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Again. It's always funny, man, when you like start off a conversation for a couple minutes and then you dive in, you're like, hey, what's up, man? You know, like but we've been talking for five <laughs> minutes to like, catching up. So we got to like act all formal and everything. That's always a phenomenal point. That yeah, that's always funny. Point. Yeah. But uh, thank you for the time, bro. I know uh, we, we really have nothing but time right now with everything that's going right. on in the world. So but I appreciate that. I know you're doing a lot of cool stuff and uh, we'll dive into that. But First, I just want to introduce our listeners to Harvey. Harvey is uh, an absolute fucking stud. I curse on my show, so. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, but he is the founder. You're the founder, right? The start the, mm-hmm. of the Mind Strong Project. We're going to get into that. I'm going to let you dive into that and kind of let our audience know a little bit of that. But Harvey's background and when we first connected actually is uh, in baseball. And we first got connected at LSU uh, through our boy DJ LeMayhew back in the day. Um, but right. yeah, you know, but, uh, you played college ball originally at uh, central Michigan, right. And you grew up in Michigan mm-hmm. and then you transferred over to Minnesota yep. state and you finished out your career there and then got drafted or, uh, signed with the, with the brewers. Right. And you played, mm-hmm. uh, two or three years, four years of pro ball and, yep. uh, and talk to me a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your baseball journey and then how that led you into the mind strong project. Yeah, man. I always got to make sure I touch on the fact that uh, I saw you at LSU, which is hilarious. I know it is. 19 years old. It's crazy. It's crazy (laughs) how far we've come now at 30, right? 11 years later, we're like, what? It is. It is nuts, man. Yeah, you guys ended up winning the series that year, right? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, Yeah, that was amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, no. So I went to, uh, and you mentioned DJ. So I grew up in Michigan, went to Central Michigan uh, out of Farmington High, played there for four years and then uh, I left and I played six years. So I finished out my, I went to fifth and sixth year at Minnesota state. Uh, Originally I went into college as a position guy and uh, maybe we'll touch on that or not, but I I essentially long story short, went as a shortstop and about a year or two into it, I was getting ready to not be on the team. I wasn't really producing as you know how that stuff works and uh, (laughs) turned myself into a pitcher uh, became a pitcher, decided I had, or I wouldn't say I decided, I had some people notice that I had some talent, so Major League Baseball or projections of playing professionally kind of became a reality for me. And uh, the year that I started transitioning into pitching was halfway through my redshirt freshman year. And at the end of the year, our last season, I got Tommy John. So I got Tommy John, tore my elbow in our last regular season game against Western Michigan. I ended up trying to be a hero, which you know many uh, guys try to do that, 
tried to come back from Tommy John rather quickly and paid a uh, heavy price for that. And yeah. I basically ended up, I really didn't come back into my, my uh, flow of things or my skill sets until probably another two years. It took me a really long time to get back from TJ. And when I got back from that is uh, would have been my fourth year of college. It just wasn't really tying in. So I ended up transferring to Minnesota state where I played my fifth and sixth year. And then, like you said, I signed with Milwaukee after that, my last year of college. That's awesome, dude. Played you had, there for three years. Yeah, and you had a really good career at um, at Minnesota State, right? I think I was reading you were like 19-1 and one as a starting pitcher or something. Yeah, I went. I ended up – so I ended up winning the National Pitcher of the Year my last nice. year, which is really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I went – I lost, the only game I lost was in the National Championship. So no. If you, ever draw, <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever draw up one not to lose, it's not that one. So yeah. I went into the – I went in the National at 19-0. and 0, and then lost our, our national championship. Damn, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. But still, that's pretty that's pretty badass, man. And uh, congratulations yeah. on a great career. That's, uh, you know, For it doesn't sure. matter what, what, where you played, when you played or whatever. Just being able to do that, you know how hard our game is. Everybody, a lot of our listeners know oh, how yeah. hard our game is, and especially pitching, too. So to be able, just luck, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying, to be 19-0, like just yeah. the way baseball falls and stuff. So congratulations. That's incredible. And, and then you started yeah. your pro ball journey with, with the Brewers for a couple years, right? Yep. So I went with Milwaukee in 13. I played with them for three years. So I went, uh, I always tell people I, I was in uh, low A and my last year of low A, I always tell people if you, if the people know you in minor league baseball, if people know who you are in, uh, <laughs> at the local breakfast shops, you're probably not doing well. <laughs> That's really so, funny. That's fast. Yeah, so I, ended yeah. Up, yeah, I finished up my third year there, uh, when they let me go in 15, uh, they asked me to sort of stay on to a large degree. I was like most guys, I wanted to keep playing. Uh, so I kind of tapped into, I was injured. I had some things going on and I had some, I was really having a hard time uh, pitching at the, the level that I was at. And they really kept me on for longer than they probably should have. Uh, it was just more of, it was just, I had a really good connection with the organization. And, uh, and like I said, they were really good to me that I pretty much spent the last three three months on the D no last two months on the DL and I just stayed with our affiliate. So you can kind of see the writing on the wall. Gotcha. Deal. Yep. And then uh, I spent probably a month or two trying to figure it out and sign with somebody else and just couldn't, I just couldn't perform anymore. So I went back to Milwaukee and they actually turned me into a scout. I've been scouting with them since 2015 and more of a hybrid. I do professional amateur and, and uh, professional scouting across the country just due to like my travel and those sort of things. So they kind of keep me in the loop and, and that's been a really cool process to be with them for a long time now. So it's been a great time being in that organization. Yeah. You've definitely been doing that for a long time. That's awesome. How does that work with yeah. the mind strong stuff? So, so dive in, I'll, I'll let you dive into the mind strong, but how do you balance? Well, I guess I, I should ask that after that's a loaded question. Why don't you dive into what the sure. mind strong project is, how it got started and how you transitioned kind of from that phase into the mind strong project. Yeah. So, uh, how I trained. So when I got out of baseball, I guess that's how I'll start it. When, yeah, I, yeah. when I got out of baseball in 2015, I was, so I got my master's degree in sport performance and under that umbrella, there was like 40, 50% of that. I don't know. It might be different now, but at Mankato, part of the sport performance was sports psychology. Oh, nice. So I was, yeah, so I was introduced and I spent a lot of time in these sports psychology classes and I really enjoyed them. And then when I went to Milwaukee, uh, you obviously know there's sports psychiatrists for like every part of major league right. baseball at this point. So I got really into that field and I, I wouldn't say that I thought that I wanted to do that for a living, 
I just was curious about it. And it was right. something that was really, really intriguing to me. And one of the things that they talked about was breathing. So I used to always hear that over and over and over again. And when I got out of baseball, a large degree of it was I had the yips and I just couldn't, I, I had a, it was like injury induced slash, uh, it just came out of nowhere and I got released so quickly that I didn't really dissect it well enough or right. have a long enough career where I could have maybe understood it a little bit more. Um, and so when I got out of it, it, what was really fascinating about it was my yips. I don't know if it was something baseball induced because it started carrying over into my life. So I was starting to have trouble speaking in in front of people. And I was, I was actually teaching classes at Minnesota state. I was a professor for three classes. And so public speaking when I was 21, 22 was not something that I was foreign to, right? I was public speaking a lot. I was, you know, professional athletes, you speak in front of people, you do interviews, all these sort of things. Right. And I, for some reason, I started having trouble talking in front of groups of people and I was trying to coach and scout and communicate. And I was having these like really, uh, just weird moments. And then what really crushed me was, uh, I started, I, my family lived in Florida. I was in Minnesota and I started being able to not fly. I started getting this like massive fear of flying. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it, it happened like right away. And so now that's kind of like the darkness side of it. But now we get into the positive side of it. (laughs) I I looked at it as at that time, I looked at it as well. Okay. If these are the tools that I understand, and these are these sports psych tools that I was getting there, here's this, they, everyone talked about breathing and I needed to figure something out. Right. Because I'm not going to spend my life uh, not flying. I'm not going to spend my life not, not (laughs) speaking in front of people. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I also had this big drive that I never wanted to be employed. So I've always (laughs) thought to myself, I'm never going to be able to do something I don't want to do. And then as you know, as an entrepreneur, if you don't speak in front of people, if you can't do this, if you can't fly or travel, (laughs) it's probably not going to go that well. It's not the life for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the life for you. So, so I had to figure something out. And, uh, and so I dove into breathing as choosing that. And this was before MindStrong was really a thing. Right. And I, I, like most people in 2015, I had a buddy of mine who introduced me to Wim Hof. Right. And he, he kind of showed me a, an online uh, guy, this wild man out in the Netherlands <laughs> or out in, you know, in Europe. And he was doing all this cold stuff, which I'm sure a lot of people obviously know about him now. And I was like, okay, well, let me figure something out. I need to figure out how to uh, categorize this thing that I have. And then I also am very intrigued with human performance and breathing was the main thing that baseball talked about. Damn. That's, so, that's yeah, fascinating, so I, bro. I lo- like, I didn't, I don't think you and I have ever even dove into depth about that stuff because, and just yeah. for our listeners, if anybody doesn't know what the yips are, um, how, how would yeah. you describe that? It's kind of like the, it's a thing that happens, it happens in other sports too. It's kind of just where you forget the most basic elementary skills yeah. that you've attained, you know, throughout life, like where you just, you physically can't perform them. I know you probably have a better yeah. definition. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird. It's, uh, the best way I would explain it is it's like the first time that you feel like you don't have your own back. Like yeah, you feel yeah. like okay. you, you, you can't, you, it's like Space Jam. If anyone's right. seen Space Jam and they take the skills out of the ball. You yeah, know, wow. The the okay, I like that. That's yeah, that's what, a really good analogy. That's it, yeah, that's what it felt like. And so it was, a really, it was a really weird thing. And it was the same thing, like I said, once I noticed that it was taking place in like a flying 
And like, there was a time where I didn't take a flight one time because I was getting really nervous. To yeah, fly. you didn't want to get on. Yeah, were you in the airport yeah, and, and everything? It, well, there was a flight I took where I got the same feeling on a flight that I had when I was having the yips and okay. pitching. Yep. And it was like, like I said, this happened in a very fast moment. I never, you know, I, I've always told people. Uh, until something like this were to happen to you, you, you would not understand, you know, you wouldn't really know, you correct, know, so, correct. and I was, and before that happened, I wouldn't have known. You, yeah. you told me you didn't know, you were scared of flying. I'd say, you're okay, a mental we'll midget. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Dude, figure it out. Exactly. And, uh, so yeah, anyways, that's how that happened. And I, I took this breathing deal and I'd always wanted to meditate. I'd always wanted to learn about meditation and learn about breathing, these sort of things. And so this guy turns me on to Wim Hof and I lived with a bunch of baseball guys, former pro guys, as most guys do right in these states of their life when they move on. And I didn't want to be made fun of. So I used to, I used to wake up in the morning and before they'd get up, well, before they'd get up just to breathe. I didn't want them to know that I was doing that. And, uh, about six, 17 weeks later, I remember the challenge of it was to sit in cold and like be in cold environments. And we have lakes up here, obviously all over the place in Minnesota. I'm staring at a lake right now. Nice. And it was the middle of December. And I just, I went and I did a Wim Hof breathing session. I went and sat in the lake and I spent about six, seven minutes in it. I was completely controlled, completely at ease. And I was in an ice, like there was, I carved out ice and I sat oh in God. the ice in the middle of the lake. And, uh, after that moment, I just pretty much, I was kind of tinkering with some part-time stuff with the Brewers. So that's kind of how I had my foot in professional baseball. I was not telling anybody about what I just told you. Right. And, uh, and I went, there's something here with this breathing thing. There's something here with the mind and this cold is pretty intriguing. And it was the first time where everything that I learned or seen in a psychological realm or a physiological realm made sense. And I didn't know how to make sense of it. I felt it make sense. So that was sort of the time where I started going, I'm going to figure whatever I felt just now out and I'm going to make a lifestyle around it and I'm going to figure out how to get paid doing it. And that's it. And dude, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just said, that's what I'm going to do. Dude. I fucking love <laughs> that because I feel like, and, and, I wrote down some things just now, just so I don't forget. I want to talk about the yips later and I want to get into that. Cause I actually, sure. like I've been working with some athletes and a couple of them have it. Yeah. And you know, it's a weird thing to talk about and be uncomfortable talking mm -hmm. about, you know? Um, but dude, it's so funny how like life works, right? Like, and, and I listened to your podcast with Belisa recently and yeah. Dr. Belisa, and you, you talked about intuition and it's funny that you just said you just felt it. Right. And then you just went and it's very similar to my ending of my career and how the, this podcast started, which led me to meeting new people, yeah. which led me to yeah. figuring out things that I was really passionate about. And I feel like, you know, when you have turmoil in your life and you have these, these decisions or something traumatic happens to you or, or something that you see, like the perception of fear, right? Like all those things that yeah. you think are the, are the worst in the world. It teaches you, Hey, look, this is, this is the direction that you need to go in. So I, I love that, that that's the foundation of your story. I didn't even know that, like, like the yeah. full depth of it and stuff. I knew the beginnings of it, but, um, sure. that's really fascinating, man. I know the yips are a big thing in baseball, so I'm, we're definitely going to dive into that, but really quick before we dive into everything, let's see, I, I kind of wanted to, I was trying to think of how to encapsulate mind strong project into one sentence. If you had like a mission statement or one sentence, what would it be? 
Yeah, so enhance the human experience. I love we it. Just always say enhance the human experience. Simple, yeah. simple, simple. That's so funny, man, because I know you and I had actually linked up about a month ago just talking about similar things, and um, I know we're going to be working on on some projects yeah. together, and uh, I'm going to have some some cool consulting stuff going, and I know we'll, we'll talk sure. off air on that, but that's exactly what I'm going for too is, is optimizing yeah. the human experience, and we all have a human experience. It's all a perception of our own reality, right, and the way we yeah. perceive things that happen into our life, and all these different things that you're studying and then you're doing the breath, the physiological work, the psycho- psychological work, all those different things. And then the movement and how that applies to the brain is so fascinating to me. And, and I know it is to you too. And that's why I, yeah, I, have, yeah. a, I have an hour and a half on this, uh, on this micro SD card here. And I think we, we probably could, could use that <laughs> all rip. easily and just go, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, cause I know yeah. you and I nerd out on that stuff, but, yeah. um, so what would you say the first thing was that made sense to you? You're saying like you were in the cold, right? And then you realized, okay, this is, this is something I want to make money off of and help other people understand and learn. What was the first thing, the light bulb that you said, that you would say that like, all right, cool, this is it. Other people are listening to me. It makes sense to them too. You know, cause like you said, like, it's hard to get people on board with this stuff. It's like breathing. Yeah. I do that every fucking day. What are you talking about? Weirdo, yeah. you know? So explain right. to me how you get people to listen to you, some of the athletes you work with and, and how it's benefiting them. Yeah, I'm really happy you asked that. Actually, I, I, the reason why that's very cool for me to be asked in this moment is I just got done writing about this and basically guiding people to understand the question that you just asked. Because awesome. the question you just asked, there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this who also need to answer that question, right? right? So I'm going to answer it from my point of view and how I've sort of seen that uh, form and how I can kind of digest something that people can use. But the the first thing I would say is that and I talk about this a lot and I get a lot of shit sometimes about the way that I perceive performance or the way that I talk about things. And that's okay. Right. It's yeah. just, it, it, it comes at it from a, from a, from our point of view or my, right. point I was of just going right? to say, that's and, your opinion and your point of view and your perception or, or, of it. Yeah. Right. And so I've just kind of always tried to make sense of my mind first. So it, for people who are listening to this, like you have to, intuitively I love that word it's probably one of my favorite words because intuition is ours it's our gift to understand and our gift gift to go out and experience right because uh things have never made sense to me along like the journeys of education and baseball and sports and all the things that have never made sense to me I have intuitively wanted to try to make sense of them I haven't looked outside of that for this will make me rich this will make me famous. This will give me everything. I've just went, that's what I want to figure out for my life. And that curiosity is what makes me excited. Right. So I tell people very often that whatever you're curious about, you're going to ask questions in that situation, that category. And if you do, you're going to get nuggets of information and guidance that make you experience life. And as you experience life, you decide and you figure out what you actually are passionate about. Right. So the reason why I say that is because the first time I went in the cold, I have always been passionate and fascinated by the human mind. Always. Even when I was a little kid, you know, so I go into this cold, I've always been fascinated and appreciative of nature. I grew up in a house that had not really neighbors anywhere by and we had huge woods and I spent time in baseball and we're outside all the time. And I, we've had a hockey rink. So I was outside all winter and then I lived in a wood all the time. So I, I was in, I was in nature. I was fascinated by human performance. I love sports. So that means in not, not necessarily sports for myself. I love how do people optimize their life and why do they sustain that? Like, why is a guy like you so good at this in this position? How can he pitch in front of 40,000 people? Like that is fascinating to me. I want to know how that person 
does that. And the reason I want to know that is because underneath all of the layers of shit, we all suck to a massively large degree. <laughs> Absolutely, right? right. And so what has intrigued me is if I know that everybody is a human and sucks to a large degree, how do they still uh, figure that out, right. how to handle that? And, and so that's kind of the, the, the intuitive part. Now, the reason why I'm saying these things is that your own idea, so my idea or your idea, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. For the most part, is very stupid at its core, right? <laughs> so the right. first thought that I had about a company was make money uh, getting people into cold water. Right. So that was my first thought. Now, at the same time, now I do like I do get paid money to have people go into cold water. Right. And that took years of evolution to get it to that point. Now, the reason why I say that, and I just wrote about this, your first thinking, it's your first job to articulate that on your own end. Like the first thoughts and beliefs of yours, we don't spend enough time uh, peeling into our thoughts and our ideas. So they don't seem believable enough to us, right? Because you don't first and foremost articulate what you are thinking on your own. And the problem with that is if you don't do that, when you take that idea out into the world, you're met with humiliation, right? And so you're met with that because when I give the world my first idea, now I'm putting it into your perception which you had no yeah. come to yeah moment with me. You had no aha moment. You had no experience that I had. So you're going to meet me at that conversation. I always call it talking to space, right? We talk to space at first. And then your job is to uh, mirror the room and basically pick out, okay, this is a humiliating idea that I'm about to say out to people, right? And when I mirror and I study the room, I'm initially going to listen to, okay, instead of feeling bad about what's about to come back at me, I'm going to sit there and go, why does it seem crazy, stupid, uh, idiotic, asinine from this environment? And then if you listen to them, they will give you all the answers on how to sell to them, how to talk to them and how to communicate with them. And it's in, and once you take it out of your own brain, it's no longer your idea. It's now the space's idea. And And it's up to them how they perceive it. Yeah, for sure. And being an open-minded human uh, is, and being a forever learner and a curious person. Now you get to live in that space and you get to watch the space that you want in front of you evolve. And that's why I, I just, I, I sort of try to tell people that right away is that 
any idea that you initially have at its core. It's stupid because it hasn't been done before. Right. So there's no, there's no proof to it. It's just a thing in a brain, articulate it, study it, observe it. And then uh, concretely believe in it. Once you have that, now let's go get humiliated at the next level <laughs> and let's get through that. And then as you get believers, people will actually tell you what they want. And that's, that's what I wanted to figure out for human performance. I wanted to figure that out for sports psychology. I wanted to figure that out for major league baseball. I wanted to figure that out for breathing. I wanted to sit there and go, I too thought breathing was bullshit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Me too. I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. You don't understand until you're educated on it. A hundred percent. And I thought meditation was purely the lotus pose in a cave. <laughs> I really thought all that stuff. Yep. And uh, and you have to spend a great deal of your time breaking frames. And, and to do that, you have to break your own frame first. And then once you spend enough time doing that, you have the wherewithal to go out into the public. And like I said, get humiliated at first, but that humiliation, it's just a feedback. Just, and so it's like a portal yeah, of information. It's like a portal of information sure. basically. And I, that's what I love that you just said. And it's why I think we're like brothers from another mother, because like, I think yeah. the same way, dude. And it's like the yeah. curiosity thing. Like you watch somebody excel at something and do so well. And it, it like, it's intriguing. And you're like, I, I, I think I could do, or like I could do something similar or something. It's almost like the competitive edge and you just want to find out how they do that good, bad, and yeah. different, you know, or like what their mind is thinking about when they're performing or doing different things. And something that you said on Belisa's thing, or maybe it was Patrick McEwen's um, um, podcast, but you said you're, we're always learning. And even, and even just like this conversation, like what you just said is a belief that I had, but you articulated it in a different way. Cause that's the way your brain perceives it and like mm -hmm. does it. But to me, like what you were saying is almost like the definition or correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like the definition of being empathetic and compassionate. You're trying to put yourself yeah. in other people's shoes of how they learn, how they think the way they're going to perceive your words. And all of that is, you know, is, is empathy, compassion, and all those things. You're regulating your emotions. You're using your brain. You're receiving feedback from the environment, all that stuff. So yeah, Dude, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And I love that that was like the basis of like, dude, all right, now how do we dive in further and how do we take this yeah. to the next level? What was, what was <laughs> yeah. first? Was it breathing or was it cold tub? Cause you said you started with cold. Was it, or is it common to the combination of both? Yeah. So it was, uh, so I had been practicing breathing and practicing meditation for a few years before this. So I, when I was in college, I was, I was trying to figure out what this was, you know, and, uh, and then cold, I just really do not like cold weather and I've lived in cold weather for my whole life. So, uh, I used to have like, I just used to get really upset and down during winter. And I was, the reason why this guy came to me was because he told me that this Wim Hof guy said cold, uh, would become like enjoyable if right. you went into the cold. So I went and it was, this was, this was September when I started. So I was going to start breathing and putting that as a priority already. And he, and I was talking to him about my winter sadness and how I could not stand cold weather. And he told me that if you do this Wim Hof deal, he had done it this, the winter before he was like, uh, he's like, you know, you'll be all good. And so I looked at that and I went, well, if I'm ever going to practice being in cold, I'm going to do it in September where it's not freezing. <laughs> right. yet. So, so it, they were kind of just like a perfect storm that met. But breathing was already on the forefront of my mind. Gotcha. Uh, cold was like the challenge. And if you ever, if people who are listening to this, a Wim Hof type breathing, it's a very, there's tons of techniques. I mean, you can, it's not just a Wim Hof. We could, there's, there's thousands of ways to upregulate your body. But for very briefly, like if you were to go into the cold, depending on where, how your physiology, your nervous system, your cells handle that instant fear, 
to basically neutralize or raise your tolerance to CO2 very quickly, you know, and like get your body into a very like adrenaline type state, it helps you handle a, a cold, right? right? Like it'll, it'll turn off a pain receptor. Correct. So I was doing the, the Wim Hof style breathing more so because I hated cold showers so much <laughs> that I like knew, okay, this is, if I want to live here in the winter, I got to get into that cold according to this guy. Right. right? And if I go into that cold, the only way to somewhat be okay is if I do this breathing. <laughs> so it was like, uh, it was like I was a forced into both. Yeah. Like, so, or somewhat yeah. or the other, a combination of them both. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you saw like my posts on Instagram, like, a, like during the winter, but I started doing cold water, st- water stuff out in, in, in the pool and I oh, did it, sure. yeah. I did it similar, uh, similarly, but I didn't practice the Wim Hof technique. I actually did mindful breathing first and then I did visualization training and I almost looked at it as an experience to build resiliency to stress or how I responded yeah. to stress. So, so I, you know, there's always different practices. I know you implement that throughout your whole program and everything. So I know people should yeah. uh, go dive into that because I'm, I'm fascinated by that shit. I love, I mm-hmm. love putting, putting myself in stressful situations. And, and this, when I started that during the winter, I still had that. I was going to try to play this year. I was going to try to um, yeah, yeah. do something with the world baseball classic. And hopefully that, you know, sprung me into MLB. So my mindset was, okay, you want to pitch in front of 50,000 next year? Like, how are you going to handle the adrenaline? How are you going to handle the stress? How are you, this is all training for that. And as I like walked into the sure. pool, I controlled my breathing and imagined myself walking out of the dugout, you know, onto the field and where I normally had performance anxiety and my heart's racing and my hand is shaking yeah. a little bit because I just want the game to start, you know, almost right. the same feeling as when you're walking into the pool, you're like, Oh my God, I only have two minutes left. Like, no, you have to enjoy yeah. it. Be present, like be comfortable in that moment, you know, and regulate yeah. your autonomic nervous system to handle that stress and everything so i love that shit for sure for yeah. sure for sure dude so are you go, go ahead no 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 what were you gonna say no i was gonna say are, are you saying did, how did you feel from that like what did you did you notice that strengthen it was I mean, abs- now i'm curious about what your yeah. experience was <laughs> bro it was absolutely fascinating to me because yeah so i at that time i had my my routine was i would wake up and i would immediately um you know try to change my flight or fight state flight or fight state. And I would calm my, yeah. you know, have mindful breathing. And that would be my mindful practice for about 10 to 15 minutes. I would sit in the Lotus position. And then for the okay. last like two to five minutes of that, I would start visualizing going into the water and I would start calming my nervous system and almost visualizing like I'd already done it. Like I'd been there and understood it. And almost then when I would walk to the door, I would stand there and I would visualize it and say, and like verbally I would cue to myself and say, yes, it's cold outside. That water is cold. Mm -hmm. That's something that's a fact and you cannot change that, but you can change how you handle this and you can change how you respond to this. So when you walk in, you're not going to react. You're going to breathe and you're going to breathe diaphragmatically and you're going to control your, 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 you know, I I had my own self-talk and I would walk all the way into the water and then I would do about two minutes of breathing, deep breathing. And then the last like 30 seconds, I would just find a little blade of grass in this like fake little grass area that I had. And I would singularly focus on that while I was like in a high stress state. Then I would go dunk, dunk myself under the water and what we talked about this the um having a straight stream of of airflow in that moment so i would make sure that my flow was completely straight and and unbroken then i would come up and then you normally want to gasp for air right and and so then i would force myself to control i would let all the water drip down and then i would control my breathing on the way in and dude it was the craziest shit for the next yeah. 15 minutes, I wasn't cold. I would go take a shower and then I would get dressed and I would go drive to LSU to go work out. And I wouldn't yeah, get yeah. cold until I was in the car listening to my podcast for the morning and I took my mind off of like that state. And then I was like, ooh, I kind of yeah. got some chills. I'm like cold now. Like, 
It was so yeah, weird, yeah. man. So I adapted and I almost loved it. And dude, when I got into my shower, my day was ready. I was like, I'm a fucking superhuman. Like my oh, mind yeah. is ready. Like it was incredible. Wow. And like, I was almost disappointed when it was winter and it started warming up and I was like, damn, all right, now I got to find a new way to do cold tub. <laughs> it was so <laughs> easy you, to man. just walk out in the backyard and be able to do it and start your day like that, you know? Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. dude, I loved it. And like, that's why like when you guys started diving into that and like you guys always do the stoic Sunday stuff, like I love that shit. Like yeah. I just, I love oh, it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, believe you had Belisa on the show and that's how I got into my breathing is, um, I'm a certified, you know, breath instructor under her program, her breathe certification. Um, and yeah. she teaches more about the reason I kind of got hooked onto the breathing with her was she talks very heavily about vertical and horizontal breathing, um, and her, yep. and her BIC, you know, um, breathing IQ, the BIC, the BIC score. And that was fascinating to me because you know, damn well, like how many times you turn on a major league baseball game and you see a pitcher take his deep breath and his shoulders go up and down. Right. And you're For like, sure. Oh, he's taking a deep breath. And that's what they told us right. to do. And they told me to do that. And I'm like, wait, that's fucking wrong. Are you fucking kidding wow. me? And then I realized yeah. like, I didn't even know the difference between nasal and mouth breathing. And then that was fascinating right. to me. So I kind of got into the nasal stuff and then the breathing through that way. Um, and dude, I'm like, I'm so all in on it. That's why I like, I'm so excited. And one of these days I'm going to get up to Minnesota and, and get up yeah. there with you guys and do all that stuff. Oh yeah. You'll love it, man. You'll love it. No, you're, well, you're right on. You're exactly right too. So that was kind of where the, you know, that's where you turn, you take a turn, right. And you get more excited to, uh, you know, dissatisfaction tur turns into a lot of meaning for a lot of people, right. In your case, my case, it's, it's something where you're almost frustrated because you feel like, how did I not get taught that? You know, or Correct. how am I, how do I not understand that? You know, the thing that was the most mind blowing to me and it still happens is it's innate to tell people to breathe or take a deep breath. I mean, I call it chain link fence coaching. If you see, uh, you know, in baseball, <laughs> like unless you're in, unless you're in the big leagues, you know, you can pretty much hear everything, right? You know, if I'm a, unless you're at an LSU or that in, which is in college, it's very minimal right, to have, right. so you can hear everything and, uh, you hear people say, take a deep breath. And I was the exact same way, you know, and, yep. and all these sort of things. And, uh, so I'll, I'll touch on that really briefly, but so, and I know, cause we talked about the yips, but yeah. When, when I got out of baseball, part of the, so this all happened again, I've kind of told you the yip of baseball and life, if you will. Right. And in that same year I got, I would have throat surgeries every, or not throat surgeries. I'd have a, a strep throat every twice a year. I had this for my whole life. Right. And I think most of us, we look at those things as, Oh, here's my time to get allergies. Here's my right, time right. to get sick. Here's my time to get my sore throat. And I was one of those people and I would do this in baseball. Right. And so when I was out my first year, my throat went from bad where it typically was to really bad. And I ended up being hospitalized uh, probably in the spring of my first year out of ball. And I get a throat surgery and I get the throat surgery. And then I was having these problems. This lasted for almost a year. And I came across Patrick McEwen now, because now I'm getting down the rabbit holes of breathing, right? Yep, yep. And uh, I dive into these people, and I learned about nasal breathing uh, through through Oxygen Advantage, and then Brian McKenzie kind of shouldered me in and, and taught me a lot of stuff that they were doing. And I spent a large amount of my time learning with him and kind of teaching him uh, what baseball talks about, and then he was kind of teaching me what they do and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I started taping my mouth. And with that simple adjustment of taping my mouth at night, I have, uh, I'm not going to make a claim, you know, we're not doctors, you right, know, go right. see your doctors, do your thing. But uh, I haven't had any throat issues since I've done that. I've slept 
breathing through my nose for the last three plus years now, every night, it's like, it's like, that's my sleep pill, you know, tape my mouth, yep. sleep through, breathing through my nose, wake up with saliva on your mouth, feel like you're, you're, you're in a parasympathetic state and rest while you sleep. Now I can't say that this is what caused the yips or what caused uh, these illnesses, but if you were to look at me, like I have a very narrow face, you know, if anyone listening, I mean, the book Jaws does a phenomenal job of explaining the uh, structure of a human jaw. What, now what's human what's the name of that book? Just Jaws? Jaws. Because I'm yeah, fascinated. Just, I was listening to you and Patrick talk about that and I was like, I was yeah. all in. This is so fascinating to me. So sorry yeah. to interrupt. Go. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, it, yeah, it's called Jaws and it's, it's, it's so like my teeth are crooked. Uh, I've had, I have a narrow face, you know, I have all these sort of things that, that, that are in this book, you know, but it's not just the book. Like right. it's, you can find this through, we have proven that the modern jaw is weak, Correct. you know? And yep. so, and, and that's making us mouth breathers. Yep. And at the same time, I just talked about this the other day, we spend so much time indoors, which there's allergens in here. There's, there's musk, there's dust that clogs up our nasal hair. So that makes us mouth breathers again. And I woke up for years with a dry mouth. Didn't think twice about it, right? Yeah. And I just had water next to my bed. And I did that while I played professional baseball. And I would not think twice about it. I would actually fill up water to go to sleep and go, well, whenever I wake up, I'll just drink the water. And it becomes unconscious, right? And uh, that simple technique of taping my mouth and breathing through my nose not only eliminated sicknesses, but it also the feelings I used to have of like nervousness and these tight feelings. I, I don't have, like, it's weird. I don't, I don't get, uh, I don't, my ner my nervous system is not, I don't remember at this point what it felt like all the time back then. But, and I can't sit here and claim that that's, that would have stopped me from having a yip. Right. Right. Of course. Of course. Sort of things. But, but you, you're, it, you can, you can't deny me, the benefits. Yeah. That, that it's, that it's right. changed for you. That's incredible, dude. That's yeah. that, I mean, that's it's so funny that you say that because the way I got into breathing was I listened to a, um, a podcast called Muscle Intelligence with Ben Pakulski. He's a former bodybuilder. Oh, yeah. He calls himself like a bodybuilding yogi, but he's very, very much about the brain and, and how that yeah. affects performance and muscle intelligence, right? He was a bodybuilder. So they're very big on like how the, yeah. the muscle moves the body, all that stuff. Um, but sure. he had Patrick on and they were talking about nasal breathing and the, and the different things like that. And it kind of intrigued me. So I started Googling you know, different stuff. And, and I was like, this is fucking fascinating. How have I never been fucked educated on this? Like, yeah. and I, and I think, you know, maybe this is my ego, but I think I'm a, a pretty decent athlete. Like be, for being sure. six, seven and moving and doing different things and doing like, I felt like I was a good athlete. Dude, when I tell you like the last six months of six months of my life, I've never wanted to play baseball more just to see what the athleticism is going to be like on the field and the mental like capacity that I yeah. have and things that I've learned the way my body moves that I have no pain anymore, dude, because when you breathe, yeah, when you breathe into your nose, if, and you probably know a little bit more about the way the throat reacts to that and how yeah. that engages your diaphragm. And then yeah. for me, I always had like adductor issues. Like I had some groin issues, issues and different stuff. Sure. And I didn't understand that the, that, that your diaphragm literally controls your pelvic floor muscles, which obviously control your hip, you know, your hips and your pelvis and the way that it rotates sure. and how that affects your lower back. Dude, I just thought it was normal. I was like, I'm six, seven. I'm always going to have back pain. Like I just thought that was me, you know? And like, you realize how many things are reversible not, maybe not reversible, but, or preventable or, or correct, you know, how many things you can correct through breath work, through, 
you know, cognitive movement and so many different things that put your body in a, in a place to succeed and be successful and use the right movements that we're designed to use as humans. So yeah, like it's crazy. And then I saw a picture of you actually reading on the, on, on the bed one night, like with a book with the tape across your mouth. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, no fucking way. It was just like the perfect storm yeah. of like, all right, I'm committed. Yeah. I'm doing this. Like I reached out to Belisa. Yeah. She hit me back and I was yeah. like, doing I'm in. <laughs> it yeah. was crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, and I had, a, I had a conversation with some friends last night and we, we were talking about uh, breath work because you know, it, it, when you really do understand these concepts, it's hard not to make that a foundation of performance. Like mm-hmm. it really is. And we can talk about this at the player side of shoulder breathing, vertical breathing, taking that big breath and these sort of things. You know, what we have to understand is that your, your breath is a, a voluntary uh, control. It's involuntary, but it's voluntarily able to be controlled. So what that means is like you've already mentioned your autonomic nervous system. You know, you live in these two states, the way that I define performance and talk about what we're talking about, uh, even though we're talking, you were talking a lot about the mechanical level there, you know, performance in its whole, when I talk to like a bait, if we stay on the path of baseball. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Your life, if you can make it as much of like an animal as you can, then you're going to be very successful in the sense of health uh, and happiness. Right. Correct. And yeah. what I mean by that is like, if you were to think of, if you were to watch like two animals out in the wilderness and you see a lion and, uh, and an antelope, if you will, right. Their nervous system does the same thing at the point of attack. Right. If, uh, if he's eaten, if the antelope's eating the grass, he's in a parasympathetic relaxing, regests all that stuff. If the lion sees the, the antelope, now he's going to attack. They both go into this heightened arousal, sympathetic state, mouth breathing, fast paced breathing, everything that breathing in their vision, it does the exact same thing that a human does. So if my antelope sees this lion, then it's going to stop its breathing. It's going to start breathing fast. Its vision is going to narrow in on that predator. And then every sign is going to point to one freeze and then two flight. Right. And that's what's going to happen. Right now, at the same point, that lion is going to do the exact same thing, except his nervous system is going to point towards fight, not flight or freeze, because then it would die. But both of them are at the perception of death. So we have to realize that their arousal level is the same. Right now, the fascinating thing is what happens next, because uh, after that, whether whoever wins right or loses, whatever, we kind of know the moral of the story there, (laughs) uh, whatever happens there both lion and antelope naturally shift to parasympathetic. They don't have self-awareness like a human to be able to reflect and digest this moment of death. Yep. So, and they, and they also can't waste energy. So if they were to spend their whole day uh, in that sympathetic uh, state and then they would become weak. And if the weak uh, weakling antelope of the herd falls behind, it gets eaten by nature, no matter what, maybe not even a lion. Absolutely. And so what makes us different than these things and why this is going to tie a circle back to make sense for the listeners is that humans have consciousness and our mind goes past and future all the time. So your mind alone, right, 
it, it's going to perceive the future as fear, worry, all these uh, perceptions of things that are going to scare us, right? This is how we have a job promotion or a job interview six months from now, and we're already starting to get nervous about it. That is a sympathetic, yep. yeah, and that's a sympathetic state. So things start to digress at the state of arousal. So you're burning fuel, right? It's the same thing of the past. This is where uh, if you break up with a girl and you reiterate that argument for six days, seven days, one month, like that is still an arousal state. You're burning fuel where an antelope wouldn't do that, right? Yep. A human does. So now why, why do we need to know this? Because humans are incredibly bad at shifting state. We're very bad at shifting moment to moment to moment. And that is seen through your breath. So if we can get outside of our mind, our psychological self-talk, and stop trying to figure out this conversation up here that's happening in the past and the future, and become more aware of that by our physiological triggers, which are our breathing and our vision, now if we build an awareness of that, we can sit there and go, boom, I just saw a physical change in my body through my breathing, example being mouth breathing fast, sound, uh, maybe I feel like I'm tight in my chest. Now I should have the tools in place to know how to shift that and get down to a slower pace of breathing, nasal breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, and that alone will calm this past, future, wild monkey mind of yours that just wants to run wild. That will start calming it. And what I always say is that it decreases the problems to solve and it gets you to the problem that's worth solving. And what happens that why I say that is if you are such an anxious anxiety performance, these sort of things as a, as a human, your problem solving abilities go down with the rate of breathing going up. And that means that you're going to be more emotionally reactive. And what is the bigger blower, the mouth or the nose? It's the mouth. So if I'm going to start anything through my mouth that isn't desired and hunting, go back to my first analogy, either hunting or recovering. We have to look at that baseball game as a hunt. So when you go into the hunt, breathe however you've trained and performed and do all these things. When you're outside of that hunt, if your first objective is not to get your physiological triggers back to neutral and get yourself into a parasympathetic relaxed state where you can start regenerating and live, you know, homeostasis like, or even I, even out your fuel systems, then you have that consciousness that can live in that game for four more days or can live in the game that hasn't even happened yet. And that is going to start burning your fuel. And that's something that we are different than anything else on this, on the planet. And uh, we have to know how to control that. And that happens through breath. And it literally speaks to you. The nose is smaller. The mouth is bigger. More happens through the mouth. Less happens through the nose. If I can create less action going through my nasal, then I'm going to feel and seem as if environments are calmer than what I think they are. And that's where, you know, we have to be very cognizant of watching people, how they breathe. And then we have to give them that first tool. You know, that first tool is just realizing that we need to learn how to breathe less. And that does happen through a smaller nostrils. Bro. I, that's me clapping, <laughs> homie, Mike drop, Mike drop. I wish I like, I just wanted you to keep going because I had like three questions that I was like going to be like, just in case you like stopped talking, I was going to be like, how does yeah. that, how does okay. Like what makes us human? Like, you know, it's just the egg you on, but you yeah. answered everything, bro. I was like literally watching the time there because like, I, I know I'm going to take all those clips because 
That's everything that I've learned, you know, through this breath work, through the physiological work, even the psychology of the mechanics of breathing. That's why I liked Belisa's work and everything like that is yeah. so fascinating to me because we're, the brain and the mind control everything. If you can understand that and disassociate and understand sympathetic versus parasympathetic in your autonomic nervous system, like you have started the, the process of self-growth and yeah. improving your human experience. And so entirely. Th- yes. Yeah, so one, thank you for that. Um, but while we talked about that, can we tie that into the yips then? Because that's a perfect lead into exactly yeah. what's happening during the yips. So I'll just fill in our listeners. I've had the yips at one point too in my career. And it was early on when I was playing with the Red Sox, I was a top prospect. I had the yips at close distance. It was only that first couple throws. You know, it happens to a lot of guys, especially power guys, because one way or another, they're scared of hurting their throwing partner. They're scared of the yeah. opinion of the throwing partner. The coaches are watching them, but basically it's everything that you just stated more in a Paris, I mean, more in a sympathetic state, the fight or flight. And how then do you coach a, a kid or a person that has the yips in, in multiple sports or in life or different things? What's your, what's your process there? Yeah, it's super, super hard, right? This is like the biggest puzzle of, of all things. I think that the, the, the hard part about it is because I've already kind of mentioned this, not necessarily towards the yips, but you don't know when it's going to happen, right? So Correct. it's yep. like, uh, it, it, it's hard because if you get a guy where he's got the yips, for the most part, you've gotten them where the sympathetic equity bank has been completely filled. <laughs> right? And so yeah, I got filled so much that now it cracked. And so, you know, like you, for example, yes, you're, you're humbly, right. You're, uh, I'll give it for you. I'll pump your tires for you. You're <laughs> one of the best athletes on the, well, you're one of the best athletes on the planet. If we were to go to, you know, how Numbers, that looks. Yeah. yeah. And so now looking at yourself, thank you. <laughs> you are most people in your shoes or shoes that I was in or people we study these mechanisms. People are amazing suppressors of emotion. So you see these professional athletes, you see these high achievers in other fields as well. They're amazing at suppressing, right? Whereas like maybe someone who didn't make it as far wasn't able to suppress stress as well earlier in the process, right? And so the the key to being like a sustainable performer or having like a bout with the yips, but then moving past it and then getting back to, you know, neutral and then sustaining performance is it has to literally be as such the basic necessities need to be controlled to a T. You should be focusing your entire existence around, in this order, breath, nutrition, movement, and sleep. And that's nature's law. If I Facts. can Say it louder. Yeah, if, I can, <laughs> if I can neutralize the system and I can control that, then you start uh, creating experiences in your subconscious, your belief systems, your, your nervous system, all that stuff that you perceive as comfortable and confident. You have to look at it as like the yips come out through, it could have been from what you said, it could have been from like 10 years earlier. You know, someone could have said something to you that pissed you off and that got tied into your, your memory bank. Right. And you just didn't fix that leak. So you figured out how to suppress it. And you did that to a large, large majority of ways, you know? So one of the things that I talk about people and I, I, I hope that this helps in this situation, but, one of the things I talk about with people is if you're in a position now where you don't feel like you have a natural control of your system, if you don't feel like you know how to naturally cope or naturally shift state, uh, more times than not, it, you're reaching for some sort of stimulant. There's something that you use to fill that gap. And if you're not aware of that, the first thing we need to do is become highly aware 
of what you're using outside of your natural resources to fill these energy systems. You know, in professional baseball, you see this tremendously with uh, pre-workout or Red Bulls at 9 p.m. at night or pain pills or fill me up, uppers, downers, uppers, downers. Really what that is is that's a lack of state control. And there's these people who are running the risk of suppressing some sort of uh, emotional, mental, physical leak. It's all tied in together. And so when that leak comes out, uh, the compensation has become too much. So the survival part goes, I no longer can handle this stressor because that's what a markup of performance is, is making choices under stress. I can no longer handle this stressor. So the mind just goes into a controlled, consistent, sympathetic, frozen state. And that's why you hear people feel like they can't feel the ball in their fingers. That's what, that's what uh, happened to me. Yeah, there. I felt like I would look at a ball and be like, I've thrown this thing 12 billion times in my life, but what is it? Why is it looking like this in my hand? And why do I feel like that guy is 45 feet away and I can never, I can't even come close to throwing it to him. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so oxygen, because of that, like you got to think, I went into that state of, I went into that state of survival. So oxygen's going to leave extremities, right? And this is why breathing is the, is, I wouldn't say the answer, but right. it is the answer, right? It's the foundation. <laughs> right. It, it's because like, once that oxygen leaves the muscle tissue, it leaves the extremities, it's going to go to, if I were to be frozen here now and sit here, okay, well, I don't want to die. So I need to have my heart pumping. I need to have this stuff working. And the you can cut off my hands in nature and I can live, right? But you can't cut out my heart and I can live. So you're going to send oxygen to needed organs. And sport is a skill, fine motor, especially baseball. It's a fine motor skill. So if my fine motors and my motor skills go down and they're no longer being used because I'm too sympathetic, you're going to have anxiety. You're going to have a yip and you have That's to incredible. be able to learn yeah. how to push oxygen into the muscle tissue because I was, I was, I was trying to mention this and I forgot, but you know, that primal state of your brain, that fight or flight state and that old experienced part of your brain, it's also connected to the pawns of your motor skills. So your breathing is, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a continuous stream of information to right. not only your brain, but also how you move. Right. And this is where like Belicia, she talks a lot about mechanics. Well, if you go mechanically off, you're the best athlete in the planet. So you figure it out for a few correct, years. Correct. Right. Yep. And you compensate and compensate and compensate until it's too late. Now, now you get some sort of injury. Yep. You know? I had that conversation with, I don't even remember the name, Mikey Matuk, but we were talking about that today. Okay, yeah. He's home right now because of the virus. And, and so we, he called me and asked, we were talking about just posture and different things and his, he's a little bit knock kneed, you know, and, and he was like, you know, as I get older, I'm, I'm trying to be very conscious of that stuff. So it's exact. That's exactly what I told him. So, you know, where he's, he was an elite, he is an elite athlete athlete and over time yeah. his body has found ways to make him perform and, and do it but if you weren't conscious conscious of it and aware of the things that were happening over time yeah like he it's gonna it's just a matter of time before that the body breaks down especially as we get older too that's tremendously yeah dude that was tremendously that was the that was the best thing that i've ever heard about the yips too because that's something i've studied for a long time and not too many you know obviously this is still an issue like and and so many people yeah. deal with it and so many athletes are just taught to um, like you said, suppress your emotions. You're not supposed to like even talk about that. I actually was talking to a kid that yeah. I'm training with and, and he told his coach and he said, his coach, he said, coach, I got, I got the yips, you know, close. And he's like, no, that's on your head, you know? And he walked away. Yeah. That was it. That was it. And I was yeah. like, 
who like our game is just like it's just different you know like and it's yeah. and it's so yeah. stuck in its ways almost you know and i know a lot of sports are like that i think the nba is a little different they're very big on mental health and different things so sure. um i know it's a lot more comfortable to have those conversations there um but it's something that i don't know if you've noticed but i'm i'm part of uh i, I partnered up with the the positive vibe movement it was a t-shirt mm -hmm. and 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 hat clothing brand but it always was nice. its foundation was me mental health and so okay. when I connected with their founder, um, he actually came on my podcast. We had a great talk and I was like, I just kind of understood his story more and what he stood for. And I was like, dude, your, your company is hundred percent dope t-shirts and hats. 100%. That's why people buy it. It's why for your sure. company is where it is, but your brand is mental health and like what you have to give. And, and you're so passionate about this. You need to start telling people. And then yeah. a couple months went by and he started doing, he was like, dude, I, I can't stop thinking about it. I want to bring you on board. So like, he was like, he's like, if you're interested, I would, I, you oh, know, anyway, cool. so like, yeah, we're business partners now and the whole thing, we have a podcast together called behind the vibe and the whole com okay. concept is called it, behind it is like to, to end the stigma around mental health. Cause the phrase is so, you know, stigmatizing. Is that a word? Stigmatizing. Right. Um, but yeah. stigmatized, yeah, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah. and people yeah. are afraid to talk about that stuff. So our, our whole thing is creating comfortable conversation around mental health. And then my thing on, and what I bring to the table is, you know, Matt does a great job with the brand and promoting the brand and, and his story is personal with mental health, with his family himself, different things and different things that they've battled. And the way I come into it as I, I approach it in, from a physiological, psychological approach of Love preventiveness, it. you know, breath and, and different yeah. things like that. So we have a really cool contrast, but, and That's actually awesome. we would love, dude, we would love to have you on the show one day. That would be, that would be a really oh, cool, be cool conversation. Yeah. I'd love to. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love that. I love that dude. And, uh, um, like, can I ask you a question about, um, you kind of just talked about the sympathetic, aesthetic, uh, parasympathetic and kind of the, the up and down. Does that relate to heart rate, heart rate variability? And, and can you kind of dive into heart rate variability a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, well go back to that. I, uh, we'll talk about the SNS and the PSNS, right? So yep. when you talk about those parasympathetic, sympathetic, uh, those are involuntary. I said that earlier, right? So what that means is like, it's going to happen regardless, right? Like we're just in one of those states where an HRV can tell us kind of where we're at on that. Right. And so it does show, I mean, good our HRV rates are like directly correlated with how people handle pressure. Correct. You know, I mean, it's wild that you asked me that. I was just reading about that last night. I might actually have some notes sitting around here. <laughs> I was writing about yeah. how I can include that into a deeper look, but, uh, the, go back to that. The, the bottom layer of that is breathing and heart, you know, your heart rate and your breath are two also things that are happening involuntary all the time. Now, the reason why this is a centered around focus around breath and then going into HRV and, and kind of showing those readings, the reason why this would be important, if you will, for athletes to track an HRV and then kind of, I'll tell you how I use that, but yeah, yeah. before I get into that, uh, the first thing is breath is actually voluntary, right? So that should be a very confident thing and a confident tool to understand that you can't necessarily look at your heart or put your thing into your heart and go heart, do this, but you can control it. Like you can breathe it down, you right. know, you can breathe yeah, it absolutely, up yeah. and, and you can control that, but that does start with breath, right? So your HRV, the reason why I like HRV now I've used some in the past. I've used some like Omega wave was a brand that, I, that uh, had me do some stuff with them. I can't remember if that was more CNS. Um, that was a while back when I used that. I typically only use HRVs if an athlete comes to me with gotcha, one. Okay. 
Do you, do you use any like, wearable technologies? That's why I'm. I was asking that because I I got my Aura Ring and I and okay. I just started like incorporating my my Apple Watch with the Aura Ring and different things. And I was just trying to understand that a little bit more. I still have a little work to do to understand heart rate variability and and how that correlates yeah. with performance. Yeah. So here's what I try to get everybody to do. So this is why it's dependent on the guy that I have. So if you have HRV, like I'm all in, right? Because yeah. now I could actually see how your body's responding. Correct. Right? And to correct. keep it very like simply. Uh, that's like the best way I can explain to people. It's like, it's basically the variability of a heart rate of if, it, if it's good and the test will show you this. If you have one, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have one, it's pretty easy to read or, I mean, it, if it should come with some sort of self-explanatory deal or just read about right, it. Right. But if it's improved, then it, you should be able to basically look at your body as recovering appropriately mentally, physically, even emotionally, all that stuff ties in. Right. And if it does, then you should, Technically, you should be able to be able to push it harder that day in like a physical workout Correct. or sort of thing. Now, if it's, I think the, and you're right, because I believe the NBA actually uses this to oh, play guys. I didn't know and that. It could be. That's cool. Yeah, I, could, I, I, I can't go on that on 100%, but right. I'm pretty confident that they've been on record of not playing guys with like low, with like poor HRV readings and basically like, Oh yeah, he needs to rest or he's, you know, not sleeping well or not breathing well or nervous systems too stressed out and those sort of things. Um, what I use is I'll use like a pulse meter. If you guys use that ever, I use a pulse oximeter to kind of measure SPO2, uh, more so just to see if I'm simulating any high altitude training or doing any breath holding. I need to see that just to see the adaptation. Uh, I've also learned not to take it super low. So if anyone's understanding this, pretty much the natural saturation of your oxygen is 95 to 99%, which would also tell you why taking that big breath is really unneeded because there's no need. You're already right. oxygenated. Right. So if I can drop that through any, doing any sort of breath holding or anything like that, then I can start to improve my red blood cells, which yep. is going to start to tell me that I'm more oxygenated. I can start getting oxygen in the muscle tissue. And that's like, you can buy those at Walgreens. So, I mean, go get a pulse meter at Walgreens. It'll show your Hell heart yeah. rate. Yeah. It'll show your SPO2. Uh, that's a cool little thing to use. That, Obviously there's, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I was just ahead. saying that's, that's what you and Patrick talked about a lot, right? That was like two or three episodes. Cause I'm going to put all this in the show notes and that was like three oh, episodes, sure. right? Like Patrick and me queuing on yeah. yours. I think it was three or four episodes ago. Yeah. Did we but, talk about that? Yeah, you guys did. You yeah. guys talked about it a lot. Cause a lot of his stuff is lowering the, 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 that, that number, correct? That you were just the oxygen yeah, so saturation, right? Yeah. So you want to lower it. So, so when I first started doing this, I was lowering it and like, I wouldn't suggest this, but I mean, I would right. take it into like the sixties and seventies just to see what a breathing, breathing exercise would do. Correct. The reason why I like it is because you can kind of learn how to personalize your breathing protocols on your own yeah. and you can track what your oxygen's doing. That's why so, I like it too. Yep. Yeah. So if I do like a hold or anything like that and I drop it, you know, uh, Patrick is a great indicator and he's a, with oxygen advantage. They do a phenomenal job of talking about this essentially what it's doing is it's simulating high altitude. So you're training, you know, you're basically, you know, tr- what is it? Living low. Why am I drawing a blank training high, living low? Right. Cause I think that's what they say. So, uh, it's basically living low oxygen is going to improve red blood cells, which gives you the better oxygen intake. So it's going to create a higher lactic asshole, asshole <laughs> threshold. That's awesome. you know, so you're going to have a, you're going to have a higher threshold to your lactic acid. You're going to be more, you know, aerobic, your aerobic capacity Correct. and efficiency is going to be tremendous. And it, you can do it by walking, running, sled pulls, bikes is my favorite, all these sort of things. Uh, now, where Patrick is, does a lot of good work is, is sort of 
baselining if a guy's ready for that or not. And that's simply like you can find it on Oxygen Advantage and kind of see how they do it anyways. We do it very similar. You just do a breath hold and you wait and you see until someone does a moderate, you know, air hunger. If they're able to hold their breath on an exhale without any movement for 20, 30, 40 seconds, then we can start doing like some in-depth hypoxic work with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little, I'm, I still, I, I actually, when I listened to that episode, I was like, ooh, I don't know enough about that that kind of stuff. Um, and I meant to dive in it, more about it. So that's really interesting. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, it, it's very simply like it's, it's training yourself to work with breathing less. Yeah. And using a pulse meter shows you the adaptations, which humans like adaptations. I'm, I'm going to get to this point of the HRV heart rate monitors. Uh, we track heart rate monitors to a degree and we do heat and ice, which is a workout in itself. Yeah. That's insane. The, the you were talking about that with Belisa. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's wild. And, uh, and then I like the pulse meter. Just keep it in, in. If you drop your SPO2, keep it above 80. That's sort of when you're seeing the adaptation in that 90 to 80 bubble. Uh, and you can kind of see, you'll feel it. I mean, it's a trippy way of training. It sucks. You know, hypoxic work <laughs> yeah. sucks a lot. Um, and you don't have to do much of it, but it it is definitely powerful. Now to go back to my personal answer of like an HRV or anything like that. Uh, this is again, if you're coming to me and you're training with me, my goal is to always get you to train intuitively. So I, I try to get guys to, you know, like we can measure your exhale and, and kind of see how well you're doing that day. Naturally, that's a subjective test. So that's not as necessarily as objective as an HRV or an aura ring or anything like that. But what I want to, I have a guy right now who's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's very, he's very high, highly touted a hockey guy. And he always wants to do uh, stuff in like a sauna. He wants to measure everything. And he had a recovery day the other day and he wanted to, he wanted to measure his recovery. And my first thing to him was like, why? You know, and the thing why I say why to that is because when we can get to a position where we intuitively work out, we do make good choices. And that has to be not used by technology because technology can almost work as you become a slave to that. Oh, my so, God. Yes. Yeah. And, and you become I call it a slave to the routine, you know, and you go back to baseball, think of guys who can't pitch unless they did weighted balls. Right. Or, you know, and, or the routine or, they, or what they. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so same with like a rap soda, like I love all this stuff. The tools and technology is amazing. And, and I'm probably a little bit, uh, I'm probably a little bit behind the times in the sense of, I just have never, I just, I mean, you know how I am, dude. I live in a freaking yeah, yeah. woods and a, <laughs> yeah. in a lake, you know, like I have people just throw them in the woods. I think I that if I can get you, if I can use technology to uh, intelligently monitor or progress you we're going to use it now at the same time if i can use it to get you to uh improve and see how breath or movement or safety or uh, thinking or choice making makes sense we're going to use that and and we're going to try to almost weed off of it so i'm going to try to get you on the technology and then i don't want to bring it back in until a few months down the line or weeks down the line and i almost want to see if we can guess or project if we're on tap with your hrv can you tell me what you think and then how similar that is where your heart rate is? Can you listen to your heart rate? Can you pay attention to your breathing and make a choice on the deadlift and is, and not feel like you, 
uh, should quantify that as work ethic. You know, right. that would be discipline. And yeah. and so I try to almost get you out of those systems. I love that, dude, because I was just I just got my aura ring and I just started using my Apple watch again. And so I was talking mm-hmm. to my my business partner with that 45 the other day. And I was like, dude, because he's he's had the whoop and he's been trying to get me to get the whoop for a long time. And so I got the, but I, I'd done my research and a lot of people said that the aura ring was a little slightly better, a little bit more accurate. So I was like, all right, got it. I've, been, I've had it for about a week now. And so we were having a conversation the other day. I was like, dude, this is so weird. I've slept three nights now. I was like, it's told me I've only gotten 15 minutes of REM and 20 minutes of deep sleep. But yet I wake yeah. up in the morning and I feel great. But my, my, they tell me to be careful with my activity, maybe mix in a nap. You know, I'm like, dude, but I, I feel great. And like, so the placebo effect, you know, plays a part in that because now all right. of a sudden, what if I'm like, oh, maybe I am tired, you know, all of a sudden, and then that changes my approach to the day. So I, I actually like where you're coming from. And that's, I'm working with a young athlete right now and he's in college and he's, he's a, he's going to be an absolute stud Yeah, and uh, he's at a high level school, all that stuff, highly rated, but he has no idea how good he is because he doesn't understand what he's doing, how his movement is. And like we were talking about earlier in five years, he probably was going to have an injury just because he's a big dude. He's strong, but you knew that I just know by watching him and what I've learned is the kinetic chain eventually is going to break down. I don't know where it was going to break down, but it was going to, yeah. So he's kind of understanding that. And that's what I told him. I was like, dude, I'm going to hit you with this stuff for the next eight weeks. We're going to do all this stuff, but it's your job to learn kind of what I took, what you told me that one phone call when we were talking about how you work with certain athletes. And I was like, dude, it's your job to be the student in this situation your body's going to tell you and you're going to learn hey I don't need to do as much ankle mobility I don't need to you know or today I don't need to do this because I understand my body my body's telling me something I slept great or you know I slept worse last night whatever it is so um I love that you said that and and not letting technology become a crutch use it as a tool and then educate yourself with it and kind of let your body take over and understand it I love that and that kind of goes back to intuition that you talked about and and different things too so I, I love that man and um, we've been talking for a long time, so I'm gonna let you go, but talk to me. I was going to, you kind of just answered it. I was going to say, talk to me a little bit about how you work with your athletes and the future for MindStrong, And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up and we'll have to do a part two because this is just too fucking good of conversation, <laughs> bro. I don't want to stop. Yeah. 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 So, wait, sorry. Uh, say that again. Real quick. Yeah. I loaded I you. Thought. Yeah. I loaded you with that. Um, just talk to me a little bit about like what you do with your athletes. You don't have to get too in depth with it. Um, but then, and then, and then the future for MindStrong, and then, and we'll sign off. Yeah. Okay. Right on. No, uh, I, I, first of all, I always start with athletes of, I mean, it's more so the longevity of being with an athlete is going to have to be a connection thing first and foremost. Right. So everything that I do with anybody individually or organizationally is always just, it's trying, it's peeling, it's doing this, it's doing a podcast in real time, right? You're, you're, you're asking questions and you're trying to figure out where people are coming from. You know, I talk heavily about uh, self-awareness and the subjectivity about being human. You know, I don't know what you really want from me and you don't even know, you can't comprehend where I'm coming from as a coach. Right. So we're not going to figure anything out in, in the beginning stages. And I used to get really excited when I, you know, I learned about breathing, I learned about new things, or I learned about, you know, even like, I remember barefoot training, just like things that I've, I've really studied. Uh, on my own end and things that I apply into the way that I train and think. And I wanted to show you like instantly. Right. And when I first started coaching athletes, when I got out of baseball, I would be so excited to show you what I was excited about. And I'd put it all out in front of you and it would destroy me mentally when you didn't feel or get as excited as I was. Right. And so I, I had to learn that the hard way of that, you know, it's not my, it's not, it's my job 
is not to solve any of your problems. My job is to identify problems. And so in that case, I say that first and foremost, like I by no means plan on solving anything for you, right? There is no recipe to this. There is no uh, solution. I, I, my job and your job is to be less wrong, right? So we're in a position of trying to improve that together. Now, the closer we become as a relationship, just like anything, we're going to grow together and that'll be an awesome journey. So that's kind of how I always start everything. Um, And and some things have gone good and some things have gone bad, you know, just like anything. Sometimes I haven't connected with an athlete. Sometimes I have. And, and vice versa, you know, sometimes I'm doing all right, but I don't want to work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so it kind of goes both ways. Then after that, uh, the, the, the fun part about being a coach is figuring out a guy or a girl's body or mind and, uh, and finding and programming and finding things for them that get them success. Right. And, and that is like just such a cool thing. It's such a cool puzzle. And it, it's something that I really obsess over sometimes maybe more than I should, <laughs> but it, it's really fun to, to piece that together. Like I said, I look at athletes and I, I break everything down into uh, we are going to breathe every time. So everything that we do will involve breath, the entire workout, the entire training session, breath is integrated into the entire thing. It's integrated from a meditative level, a cellular health level, and then a mechanical level. We kind of, we kind of look at that sense and we set it up like that. Right. Uh, then we look at it in the nutrition phase, which I don't necessarily uh, use, I use part of my repertoire, if you will, of how to help you with that. But I, I do lean on a lot of, uh, a lot of our board and advisory board of people to kind of take that for us and, and just make sure that that's on track more so because of how much I believe in nutrition, uh, and just being very natural intuitive, how you feel. And then obviously the movement side of it, that's sort of that programming, if you will, that's sort of the, how do you find a perfect mix for this person or this organization? and then piece that together for them. That's the fun part about coaching. I love that. Uh, And so I I sort of look at it like that sense we do. I mean, I don't think it's weird because I've been doing this for so many years now. I mean, I've been doing heat ice training and my world and breath work, like I said, since 2015. So I don't see it as odd as people used to see it, or I maybe used to see it on my own. But for the most part, we use heat, uh, saunas and heat and cold exposure, not always aggressive cold. We'll use cold, uh, either activating your face in between workouts to activate the um, million dive reflex and lower heart rate. Naturally, we'll use cold showers to activate meditation. Uh, we'll use extreme cold to, uh, stress your sympathetic nervous system. Uh, and we don't look for that to be anything besides mental resiliency. Uh, we use cold to spark adrenaline. We use heat to, as strength, I mean, there's tons of human growth hormones that happen with sauna stress, post-lifting. Uh, we use heat for recovery, detox, if you will, meditative. And then we use heat also uh, for stress. We turn up the sauna to I love it, yeah. 220 degrees and make you sit in there and see how long you can last. You know, we do In the water or like the, the, the heat? The, it, okay. Yeah, we'll go heat. We'll like, go there's heat. no way the water is 220 degrees, right? And no, you're putting no, people no, in there. I'm no. like, damn, what the hell no. are you guys doing at the Mind Strong Project over there? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. No, yeah, not that one. The cold, we go as cold as we possibly can. Yeah, so yeah. We, we get it to the point of freezing if we can. And we, we kind of we, there'll be some sort of integrated heat or cold and breath in all of the workouts. And then I center, I look at if I'm training a guy, uh, we pretty much, I try to center everything just generally. I'm speaking generally here. 
you know, two days are going to be high anaerobic, high stress, you know, high pushing, high, high, that type of stuff. And then I, I, I just believe in aerobic capacity to a large degree, uh, for any athlete, because anyone who's aerobic, uh, at a, at a metabolic level is a calm thinker. So I think of it as, and that doesn't mean that I'm not trying to get you jacked or these sort of things. I, I, there, that's a cute, that's a way different conversation. Right. Uh, but being aerobic or having aerobic capacity or practicing that stuff, it, it, you're just, you're going to be fueled better. So we have a lot of aerobic stuff. I, I believe in nature and training in nature. And, and I just kind of tie all that in and, and uh, listen to what people want, what they don't want. And then I just, I try to improve. We're all just trying to figure it out. Dude, I love it. Well, you're definitely on some innovative shit, man. I'm excited. I love what you guys stand for, what you guys are doing, and uh, I really can't wait to get up there and train with you, man. It's going to be uh, whenever this thing dies down and everybody gets yeah. healthy again and stuff, I would love to make a trip up there and get this thing going. I know we've talked about it for a long time, so thank yeah, you, brother, and thank you. you for the time, dude. This was uh, this was absolutely incredible, and I really do. I have some more notes about sleep and, and so many different things that I just want to pick your brain on, so we'll have to do this. Maybe, <laughs> shit, if we're inside for another two, three weeks i don't even want to say months but i'm gonna say weeks but we'll have to do another one or talk about it on the webinar coming up or something so cool yeah cool. Man. yeah man it's good seeing you brother always you too give us uh just give our listeners real quick i'm gonna put it in the show notes too but just give us all your instagram and all that stuff and, and where to find you guys yeah so you can find us at uh the mindstrong project is on instagram uh, i think twitter is mindstrong p I don't think it handles the whole project part. Yeah. Uh, and then we're Facebook. I think we have a LinkedIn. I don't know. My, Nolan, my guy, does all of our yeah, social yeah, media yeah. stuff for the most part. I'll find it. And then our website. Yeah, our website's mindstrongproject.com. Uh, you guys can connect with us. My personal thing is Martin underscore time 15, Harvey Martin on Instagram and Twitter. So you can find me on that stuff. If you DM me or whatever, I, we, if I don't see it, uh, Nolan sees it. He mostly does see it. And then he tells me. And I'm, uh, I'll, I will respond or help as much as I can. So incredible. He's Harvey Martin. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. We're going to sign off now. All right, my man. Take care.